This episode is brought to you by ProMensal. So just get this in your head, ladies. With each decade of your life, you're going to become happier. So you've got to plan for being happier. Welcome to Thriving in Menopause, brought to you by Prevention Magazine. I'm Andrea Duval, the editor of Prevention, and my guest today is a neuropsychiatrist who studies the impact of women's hormones on our brains. Dr. Luanne Brizendine has been looking at how our brains change after menopause. Her findings are really fascinating, and she's written a new book about it, The Upgrade, How the Female Brain Gets Strong and Better at Midlife. Welcome, Dr. Luanne. Oh, thank you so much for having me talk with your audience. Your audience is near and dear to my heart. It's like we're all we're all a part of your audience. <laughs> As you explain in your book, you've decided to rename menopause. In fact, you barely mention the word menopause during the entire book. What are you calling it? So I've gotten the words perimenopause and menopause. Remember, those are fossil. I call them fossil words because they're words that are used by the pharmaceutical industry and the medical profession to basically designate a deficit. So it's really kind of a diagnosis. It's a diagnosis of of something that's like an illness or a deficit. And so um, that is not what I call it. I call it the upgrade because my approach is the whole woman approach. It's the, It's not, we're not just... We're not just our declining hormones. We're not just any of that kind of stuff. You know, we, we have a, a whole life, a whole level of, of, of our wisdom, our experience, our experience as mothers, experience as all kinds of, you know, whatever kind of employee we've been. We have all of that that's going on for us as the whole woman. So I get rid of the word uh, menopause and use the word upgrade for all of us. And what, as you say, there look, there's many negative connotations foisted on this time of life, but you've discovered some really exciting and positive things. Tell us about that. Well, so, you know, there's lots of research studies out there that are they're doing brain scans and following the brain scans of women as they go through the perimenopause, menopause, and then, the, then into the, the time after that, which I call the upgrade. Let's think for a minute about what happens during the regular menstrual cycle, you know, and, and we, we call day one, of, day one of bleeding is the first day of the menstrual cycle. And that first week we're bleeding or whatever is going on and the hormones are going up, up and up. The estrogen is increasing at its highest amount during that second week, right before ovulation. So we're on this roller coaster ride of the hormones. And then as soon as ovulation happens, it reverses all the things estrogen has done in the brain. The brain is like growing all kinds of sprouts and connections in that week where estrogen is high. And then the progesterone comes along at ovulation and spends the next couple of weeks tearing it all down. So that tearing it down and building it up, tearing it down, building up of every single cycle that we have is what is, guess what? That's not going to be happening anymore, ladies. When you're done, when you're done going down the grocery store and getting the, all of the supplies for your period, when you're done with that, you're also done with your brain, brain having to rebuild itself and, and unbuild itself all the time every month. And all those, the, P, the PMS and irritable stuff you get at the end is gone. And all that stuff that you get, well, the stuff that you get in the middle of the cycle, mother nature made it so that you would be flirtatious and more sexy and trying to think of like attracting the best sperm all, but that, you know, so you're, you're done with the fertility stages and you're into another stage of life and more, you know, you can gain new purpose in life 
at that stage because you're not having all of these brain circuits being built up and torn down every month. Now, you talk about how our focus and concentration changes as well. Indeed. Now, that can be a bad thing or a good thing. And I think that, you know, like anything else in life, we have to adapt to what, what is. So, for example, you know, if you hold two things in mind at once, like one is one, one they help, we, we actually hold it in the two lobes of our brain. If we're thinking of two things at once, one is being held in one lobe of our brain on the front and one's held in the other one. And as soon as we pick up a third, we have to drop the other one. So when we're younger, we kind of ba- can balance those back and forth and switch back and forth between those two. As we get older, the minute something comes in to distract us, as you may find too, I find that a lot too. If something comes, come, someone distracts me from something I'm doing or whatever, I will just, sometimes I can't circle back around to it. I can't remember what it is. So that means basically what you what you're almost forced to do is have more acute focus at this stage. You focus on things, and if someone interrupts you, you say you need to ask them to politely come back later. We can get your thing done. You'll talk. You'll feel that. So you learn to be more focused, and I find that I actually get more things done efficiently now because I I need to stay focused to actually complete the task, and I don't feel I don't feel. Um, embarrassed to ask someone to give me a moment and then I'll get back to you. Another cool discovery as well is that as we age, our brain can grow new neurons. It's not a withering thing. No, no, no. And everybody's heard that really fancy word, that fancy word called neuroplasticity. So the word neuroplasticity means basically it's, an, it's it means you can grow new neurons, you grow new connections. So anytime you learn something new or do something new that you have to learn a new task, you're growing new neurons. I mean, even if you're like ending up, let's let's say you, you just you learn new communication skills with. Um, I, I I say that. At this stage, you learn to say what you mean, but don't say it mean. <laughs> well, that's that's leading on to my next point, which is in your book, you nicely refer to the phase where we, um, before menopause, is our fertile period. And I think that nicely reframes our thinking about, you know what, it's just a phase. It's not then thinking about anything that happens after menopause is falling off a cliff. And you also talk about there being many psychological growth phases within perimenopause. What do you mean? So the, the, it, it is really, really important, I think, to talk about the phases and developmental phases of our life as women. You know, we had the puberty phase and we had the fertility phase. Now we have the transition phase and the upgrade phase. So that's basically just really, re, re, it's, it's not only renaming, nobody's named these for women at all. You know, basically, we need to have names for them, the different phases, like the transition phase and the upgrade phase, because it helps us focus on on what stage we are in our life. And it's not better or worse than it just happens to be a new developmental stage. You mentioned there's particular traits that you've observed women develop when their periods cease. Can we look at these? It's an important thing to, to realize is that you'll feel more capable of being direct and saying what you mean. And, and one of the reasons about that is that, that they find that, that women three or four days before ovulation during their fertility period, we're really at the maximum of our perfectionistic about how we look and our physical appearance. And we're going to dress sexier, put more makeup on. We're trying to attract the best sperm. You know, that's what we're doing during that few days before ovulation. 
that's not the situation later because we, and we also tend to not, we don't want to cause conflict. We do, we want to, we want everybody to like us. It feels like a tragedy when we're younger in our fertility is if somebody doesn't like us, oh my God, you know, your teen years and your early twenties, you feel like someone doesn't like you, then, then, you know, you, you feel crushed, you know, that feeling, feeling, you don't feel like that so much once you get into the upgrade because your fertility hormones aren't jerking you around, making it feel like you've got to eat your eat your words or not say what you mean because you don't want to cause conflict. You want to please people. All of a sudden, it gives you the chance to get to know yourself better and speak your own truth. We'll be right back after this. Perimenopause can actually start in your 40s. Declining estrogen production during perimenopause brings on changes to menstrual cycles and often the onset of hot flushes, night sweats, mood swings and sexual problems. Promensal Peri is specifically designed for perimenopausal women and can help relieve these common menopausal symptoms. Promensal Peri is available at leading pharmacies across Australia and offers a cost-effective treatment at under $1 a day. When things start to change, try Promensal Perry. Always read the label and follow the directions for use. Okay, we're back. It's fascinating that these drives are actually caused by changes in our brain. Um, another thing you talk about is um, the return of fearlessness. Yes, and so I feel like, you know, the return of fearlessness happens a lot when you go through this these different phases because you feel like, you don't have that much, you feel like you don't have that much to lose. You know, when you're a younger woman, you feel like you may have a lot to lose because you're not going to end up having access to the, to the best sperm or, you know, it's like that, that's how mother nature, she made it. It's, it sounds rather crass, but that's what's going on actually biologically in our brains. Ah, and so without that, we have more courage, I suppose, is the You the do have more courage and courage, you know, courage is courage to speak your mind and not worry about the consequences. You're not going to say something mean to hurt someone, but you're going to speak your own truth to be heard. And I suppose that leads on to the the next point, which is freedom. I mean, on the one hand, because of our age, we're probably um, at a phase where uh, if we have children, they've grown up and we're no longer having to be the key nurturer. But there's something else going on, isn't there, with regards to freedom? You know, the, 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 when children grow up, right, when children grow up and they're out of the house, the mommy brain is like also freed. Remember, that gives us more, more slots on our dance card. <laughs> you know, one of the things that really struck me is you say, everything I've learned about the female brain and neurobiology has shown me that women have been leaving our gifts at the door on the second half of life. Absolutely. I mean, we, we have been leaving, leaving our gifts at the door, I think, because the, the culture, there's, two, there's a two-way street, right? The culture is been keeping that door closed to us. You know, there's like, there's not a feeling that, old, that older women are like vibrant, vital parts of the society. I mean, you look at politics and you look at people in politics, there are a lot of women over the age of 50 in politics that are really doing, doing the job and getting the job done. You know, there's lots of us out there, but the the idea that you that you take on a whole new role and with with gusto, with gusto in that second half of life, has just become something that 
women all of a sudden start to expect and want for themselves and we expected and wanted of other women. The door is going to be open from our side, but it has to be open from the culture side as well, which is just beginning. So exciting. So you talk about the upgrade. Um, Tell me about the three stages of the upgrade. So, you know, we have three stages of the upgrade, which is basically the the menstrual period has been gone for 12 months by the time you hit the upgrade, where you're just kind of start getting to get used to the power of not having your your brain circuits rebuilt all the time. So that's going to be happening in the first section. And then in the second phase of the upgrade, you're, you're really sort of like, you're kind of getting into, you're sitting into the saddle and you're doing, you're starting to ride smoothly and you feel like you feel empowered by all of the changes that have gone on. And you really have a, maybe set your sights in a, with a new project and have new purpose, new purpose in your life at that point. And other people around you that are the people that I, I talk a lot about the tent of me in sections of the book. You know, you you basically bring the people that are going to help your fire bring burn brightly and your purpose succeed. Those are people you're going to bring in close and close into your new tent of me. The other people they're going to have, they're going to be asked to wait outside the flap. You know, they're going to be, <laughs> you're not going to kick them out of your life in time. But they're so you've started to sort out. Who is going to, who are going to be your supporters and who are just going to be a bit on the sideline by that time? And then the third phase is your full on upgrade. You're just, you're really doing, you're, you're sitting, you're riding in your saddle. You've got your, you've got your purpose and you've also got your support team around you. Now, as you're a psychiatrist, you must see a lot of women going through this phase who, um, you know, it doesn't always come as smoothly or as automatically as all of that. It's a, it's a journey, isn't it? So how do you support women and encourage them to, to make this the best part of their life? So because you're right, I, I basically treated women that have anxiety and depression in my women's mood and hormone clinic that I started back in 1993. And so women, I specialize in hormones in the brain and mood mood and anxiety problems. So that's, I see a lot of that all during different phases of a woman's life. And in this phase, it's kind of the transition phase where your hormones are erratic. There's, if you've had a depression or anxiety before, you have an increased chance of having it again. And the surprising thing is some women who never had that before, when the hormones like just drop off a cliff like they do uh, intermittently through the transition phase, it can really take a toll on your moods, on your moods, your anxiety, your sleep. So I use a, I use a, a three-pronged approach to really getting women. They have to really have an incredible amount of, of attention. Uh, I give them to having a, a good sleep habits because the brain doesn't get cleaned out and washed out unless you sleep as you know because it has all of those all of those little proteins that are made during the day while we're uh, problem solving all day and then the little neurons start to shrink back from each other when you sleep leaving little spaces between them so that the garbage can get hosed out it gets hosed out at night if you don't sleep then it doesn't get washed out and hosed out with the garbage. So I really focus on women's sleep during this period to help their brain be the healthiest as possible. If a woman, now remember estrogen, it it does help your mood. It puts a little safety net under your mood and helps boost it a little bit. It is not in and of itself an antidepressant. So women who do get depressed at this stage, and I have a lot of women that do, they often need some of the hormone replacement as well as a standard antidepressant of some kind that's going to help them. 
So I, I, I just say, women, whatever you, wherever you find yourself, just go for what is going to make you feel better during this time. If it means uh, the hormone replacement therapy alone, if it means hormone replacement therapy with an antidepressant, then that's what you need to, to, to boost you up during this stage to get you through it. It's interesting, too, that when you're talking about depression, the other side of that is happiness, and happiness is sometimes elusive to all of us. But part of your prescription for the upgrade is finding sources of joy every day. When I wake up, I wiggle my toes. And it's kind of like a playful thing because, you know, you know how it is when you wiggle your toes, you can kind of imagine someone tickling your toes or wiggling your toes when you're a little child or something like that. So it's a playful kind of thing to do. And as you wiggle your toes, as I wiggle my toes, I smile. And the smiling response in your face, it stimulates the zygomatic, it, it, it stimulates all of these muscles of the smiling muscles in your face, which surprise, surprise, it feeds back into an area of our brain that measures happiness. So if you are smiling, it measures, it goes back and feeds back into your own brain to increase happiness and to tell you that there's joy and happiness there. So I know that sometimes in the morning when I wake up, I can wake up, work up with my mind already on the hamster wheel of worry. I talk about that on page 201. You know, I talk about how to get off the hamster wheel of worry. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of techniques to get off that hamster wheel of worry. But one of the ways in the morning is try to just give yourself that little boost and have what I call EFTs, essential first thoughts. So your essential first thoughts, just something, something that is, that gives you joy. Think of a, of a person or something, something that you're grateful for that, that lifts you up right away. And, um, I think getting out of the bed, the bed and having movement right away is something that really starts to get your joy circuits going. Um, if you can't get your joy circuits going, then you definitely, you need to talk to your doctor and get, get your hormones balanced and your mood balanced so that you can restart the, those, the joy circuits, which are really important to the cognition in your brain. Because one of the things that also is going on, and I'm smiling now as, as I'm talking to you, getting those happy hormones going, but naturally we worry less at this point. This is another thing that seems to be going on with our brain pathways, you say. So, you know, Psychologists have studied for many years now. Um, um, Lauren Karstensen from Stanford has a, a, a longitudinal project that's gone on for like 40 years. And different teams have gone out and they studied people in the decades of their 20s and 30s and 40s and 50s and 60s, and actually all the way up, up until your 90s. And they found that every decade of your life, every single decade of your life, you end up happier for some reason. They don't understand. It's called the happiness and the positivity effect. So just get this in your head, ladies, with each decade of your life, you're going to become happier. So you got to plan for being happier. That's such a good news story. You also, with this happiness, talk about compassion. I mean, we've got more generosity to share around if we're feeling happy about ourselves. We do, indeed. We have a lot more generosity to share around if we're feeling happy with ourselves and happy with other people, right? There's happiness with ourselves and happiness I think it's important to bring people around you that actually have, um, you know, that, that have more happiness to bring you. But if you're full up, because you're full up for, for feeling um, self-compassion and kindness for yourself, then you're actually able to give a lot more to other people of your generosity. And then that flashes back onto you. So it's, it's you know, it's a co-created reality that we have that goes back and forth, back and forth as we go through the stages of our lives. And I think women can, you know, we have a little uh, 
we, you know, we have a lot of extra wisdom that we need to really hold in our hearts and our minds and being able to give, we have more to give at this stage. Speaking of wisdom, um, Dr. Luann, I wonder as you're researching this stuff, what uh, impact it has on you? Well, I couldn't write this book until I got to this stage in my life where I've been through all these stages and, and starting into another stage. You know, I feel like it impacts me by realizing, oh, the three corners of a solid stool that I like to talk with my women about is that you need to have at least three legs of that stool to keep it really even and solid. So the things you have to know about, it's like, obviously, one has to be the exercise you need every day to keep your muscles strong, keep your bones strong, keep your brain strong, which I go through some of some interesting things in the book about that, as well as the other one, which is the nutritional part to keep your body really healthy. And then the third, the third on that stool has got to be the really high quality sleep in order to wash the garbage out of your brain every night. Okay. And now that you're in your 60s yourself, um, you call yourself a scout leading the way, as it were, for women who come after you. So what's the one thing I suppose that you would go back and say to your 25 year old self? Oh boy, I go back and say, baby, just don't, don't sweat the small stuff. Don't worry about all these little things that you've got your mind in a twist about because actually they're all going to sort themselves out in one way or another. Uh, it's not going to be downhill, downhill, downhill negative as you get older. As a matter of fact, you're going to get happier as time goes on. So basically do the things that make you happy. Do the things that build relationships, especially relationships with your girlfriends. You know, that's one of the big studies that came out is showing that if you spend at least two times a week going out with your girlfriends in a group of three or four, it's, it's an interesting study. Who would ever have thought to study that? But they did. And they found that those people actually had, had greater health and greater longevity. Fascinating. Look, Dr. Luann, thanks for being with us. It's so exciting to think that the best is yet to come. And thanks, listeners, for joining us. If you're interested in reading Dr. Luann Brizendine's book, The Upgrade, we have a link in the show notes to purchase it through Prevention's Book Club. For more information and inspiration about living your best life at midlife, why not pick up a copy of Prevention magazine and follow us on Facebook or Instagram. I look forward to you joining us next time. Thanks for joining us.